Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you this morning. I am really expectant as to what God's going to do today, but also over these coming weeks as we get into a a kind of new series or the next part uh, of what God is doing with us as as a church. And so we're going to jump into that in a a few minutes. But firstly, uh, just want to say what an amazing time yesterday was in the Thanksgiving celebration for Pastor Colin's life. And I know many of you were there and many people connecting online Uh, And it was a a great opportunity just to really reflect, to remember, to give thanks and to celebrate everything that God has done in and through his his life. And I know, as we all know, that is exactly what he would want us to have done was to celebrate who Jesus is and what he did through his life rather than just bigging up Pastor Colin. But at the same time, uh, of course, we want to honour and uh, I believe we did that yesterday as we honoured him and his life and all that he represented and the effect that he's had on all of us in all of our lives. And probably like yourselves, over the last few weeks for us as a family, it's been quite an emotional time, particularly the last week or so with the funeral, the private family funeral we had earlier in the week. And then just celebrating with everybody yesterday. And uh, so it was a very, very special time. But as you know, Uh, we finished the time yesterday with the last words that Pastor Colin spoke to us as a family, but the charge that he gave us as a church, as Kingdom Faith, which was to take the stick and raise the banner. And that he has been, if you like, right at the front of pioneering and breakthrough and the whole revival and faith dynamic of who we are as a people, who we are as Kingdom Faith, He's been right at the front end of that for for so many years, for decades, because of the way he lives, the the anointing, the apostolic grace upon his life and the way he's just given himself to the Lord and to his kingdom purposes and to the body of Christ for many, many years. Giving us this charge, it's now our turn to step right onto the front line together and to really take hold of that stick, take hold of the banner, to raise the name of Jesus and everything that that means and represents and to move forward as a church in that revival and faith dynamic, that breakthrough spirit and life that we have as we continue to move forward in the vision and the purpose that God has has uh, has given us. So we're going to do that and continue to do that as a church. In a few weeks time, uh, we are having a, a, a week of prayer and fasting and we want to take the stick and raise the banner during that week. We're going to have some encounter nights on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 19th, 20th and 21st. There's going to be other prayer meetings and prayer times during that week. We want to encourage everybody personally to be taking time out during that week to respond to that invitation of intimacy from Jesus that he's been given us over these last few months. Let's carve out time 
uh, particularly during that week. And, and let's make it a week where we really are fasting and praying. So maybe pray over the next week or two and ask the Lord, what is it? How does he want you to fast? What does that food fast look like for you uh, that week? But maybe there's some other things he's going to say. I want you to fast from that in your life for that week and give me that space. Give me that time instead so that I can meet with you in a fresh way, encounter you in a fresh way, and you can encounter me in a fresh way. And so let's carve out that week in our diaries. Let's not fill it with loads and loads of other things. Let's make sure we've got the time and space to press into God together as a church and obviously in our own personal lives so that God can do whatever he wants to do in us. And part of that is the preparation that we've been hearing about. Uh, last week, Jane spoke about that about being the bride of Christ and what it means to be set apart for Christ. What does it mean to live that set apart life? What does it mean to allow God to be working in our hearts and lives? And as we move into this new series of the, the, uh, uh, living in a culture of grace or, or being a community of grace, a body of people that are living as a community of grace with a culture of grace, it's going to be very, very practical. And, and I believe God's going to get below the surface of things in a, in a deeper way. And, and maybe do some things in our hearts and lives so that we really are that pure bride that he's called us to be as we move forward in the things of God. And, and it's not just about having a pure bride and, and just for the sake of it. It's what happens in and through a people that are living set apart, that are living consecrated in the way that God wants us to do it. What is then what happens amongst us and happens through us in terms of the life and the power of the kingdom that is released and the salvation that then is unlocked, the miracles and healings, just the, 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 the tangible presence of God that is, and are, that is in and around our lives in that way. And one of the things that Pastor Conning often and constantly talked to all of us about was, was knowing God in his glory, going after the glory of God. And what is the glory of God? The glory of God is, is the revealed nature and presence of God that is taking place in and through our lives. It's like the tangible reality of God being released, that we don't just know the presence of God, that, yeah, God's here and he's around. But when the glory of God comes, God is revealed. He shows people who he is, whether a believer or whether an unbeliever. And that's when we really see an acceleration of harvest and people being saved and lives being transformed. And so we want to jump into this next kind of part of what God is doing amongst us and, and talk about and, and move into a greater culture of grace as a church and as a people. Now, just to kind of give a, a, a little bit of a, a basis to this, this message, to to have a culture of grace, to be gracious, and what does that really mean, which we'll look at in a moment, it, needs, it's, it has to be rooted in a culture of love. There's, there's two key aspects to love. One is mercy and the other one is grace. The first aspect of God's love that you and I encounter before we even knew him or before we gave our lives to him, we encountered God in his mercy. Now, what is God's mercy? What does it look like? God's mercy is God treating us in a way that we do not deserve. Okay, And so when we encounter God in his mercy, the first thing that we encounter is his compassion to be forgiven of every sin 
of every negativity, of everything that could separate us from him. Every guilt, every shame, every pain, every hurt, everything that would have affected our lives in a, in a challenging way before we were born again. And so when we encounter God's love, that first aspect is his mercy, okay? His compassion, his forgiveness, his cleansing love that sets us free from the power of sin and the things that have held us back. And then the second key aspect of God's love that we then come into is his grace. And that's what, as believers, we then live in, the grace of God. Now, what is God's grace? God's grace is him giving us everything of himself that we don't deserve. So mercy is God treating us in a way that we don't deserve. So he forgives us. He cleanses us from sin. He deals with pain and hurt and guilt and shame. That's his mercy at work in our lives. And then his grace kicks in to enable us to live in the fullness of the life that he gives us. His grace enables us to be released and strengthened and comforted, if you like, to live in the way that God wants us to. And in that grace... There is no condemnation for anyone that is in Christ Jesus. In that grace, there is no judgment in terms of God looking at us and just judging our lives and, and saying, oh, this isn't any good anymore and that's no good and you don't meet this here. God's grace says you are accepted. God's grace said you are holy. God's grace says to us, you are blameless in my sight. And God's grace says, this is what I have done for you. This is what God has done. This is what I have done for you to enable you to be forgiven, to enable you to become a child of mine, to enable you to be, be accepted as, as uh, a child of mine, for you to be blameless and holy in my sight. That's what God's grace does. God's grace enables everything of who he is to be made available to us in our lives. And so mercy and grace are rooted in God's love. So let's just take a look for a moment in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8 and just remind ourselves, what is God's love? Okay. And Paul the Apostle describes his love in this way, God's love. Love is patient. Love is kind. These are characteristics of who God is. It does not envy. It does not boast. Love is not proud. It does not, it's, love is not rude or it doesn't dishonour others. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Well, that, that's, that's a big one right there. When you ask God to forgive you, he forgives immediately and the record of that wrong is removed from the slate or the book of your life, never ever to be brought up again. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west, from our lives. He keeps no record of wrongs. Wow, what a liberator that one is. And then finally, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, 
What an amazing description of the nature and the character of God, the nature and the character of his love. And what God does by his spirit is he reproduces that nature and character of who he is in us so that we then are people of love in the same way. But we're also then people of mercy, compassion, forgiveness, but also people of grace where we then love others. We then give to others. We then look at others in the same way that God looks at them. And we're going to unpack some of this so that we, we live with a culture of love, mercy and grace as a church in an increasing way towards one another, but also towards those that don't yet know Jesus, okay? And so one of the amazing things that the Holy Spirit does in us when we allow him to work in us in a deep way is the Holy Spirit deals with and removes all the ways in which we might look at others and put them down. We might look at others and judge them. We might look at others and condemn them. What God does, he, he works in our hearts. He softens our hearts as we respond to him. And he enables us to have his heart, his eyes for others, for one another and for others in a way that he does so that we are full of compassion ourselves. We are full of his mercy. And then we are releasing his grace to one another to enable each other and others to become everything that God has called them to be. And when we live with that kind of culture of grace, very forgiving, very compassionate, encouraging, building each other up. And as we've looked, being patient, kind, without envy, not boasting, without pride, not self-seeking, not easily. When we honour one another like that, what kind of atmosphere are we going to live in as a church, as a people, when we allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate this even more than we have already at this time. So we're going to use a story in Luke chapter 19, okay, and, and make this really practical, earth this in our lives, okay, and we're going to use this story that some of you, or maybe many of you will know well, uh, but maybe some of you have never heard uh, this story. And we're going to unpack it a little bit in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And we're going to pull out some things about his life, but also about how Jesus is and how the crowd were in response to what was going on. And I'm sure you're going to identify some things about Zacchaeus in your life. You're going to identify some things about Jesus in your life. And maybe you're also going to identify some things about the crowd that go on in your life, in your mind, thinking, heart, whatever. And, and in all of this stuff, what we want to talk about is a culture of grace that God wants to develop amongst us in an increasing way and so that we help to recognise when we're not operating in that ourselves to make sure that we have a right response to one another, to the Lord and to others in our hearts and lives. So let's have a look at this, uh, this story in, um, in Luke chapter 19. It says here that Jesus entered Jericho came into this town and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax, tax collector and was wealthy. Now, the name Zacchaeus actually means pure one. Okay, that's what it means. We'll come back to that in a moment. But Zacchaeus means pure one. So here's this guy. He was 
a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, just to give a bit of context, the tax collectors at the time weren't Romans. They were Jewish people. And what the Romans did is they wanted to employ Jewish people to take taxes from their own people. Okay, And Zacchaeus was one of these guys. Uh, And it says that he was a chief tax collector and wealthy, very wealthy. And so as a Jew, in one sense, he kind of turned his back on his own people because most tax collectors or every tax collector taxed the people more than they needed to be taxed. And in one sense, they stole from them. And so a lot of the people in that community knew exactly who Zacchaeus was, probably did not have a very good attitude towards Zacchaeus. And and basically, Zacchaeus would not have been a popular character in the Jewish community at that moment. Okay, And Zacchaeus, this tax collector, heard that Jesus was coming into town. And there was obviously something about Zacchaeus that was intrigued about Jesus. He wanted to see him. So what did he do? He wanted to see who Jesus was, verse three. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore uh, fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So Zacchaeus tells us a few things here. He was a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. He was wealthy. He was not popular because of his job and what he represented. But he was also a short man. Okay. now why is that important? Well, in that culture, if people had some abnormalities in that sense or if somebody was short or, or, or didn't fit into a certain criteria, okay, people said, it's because God is judging them or because there's something not right about their life and all of that. And so there's an element for Zacchaeus where, I don't know, maybe he went into being a tax collector because he was not treated very well by the community. He was short. There were some things about him and all of that. And therefore, he was treated in a certain way. So he maybe he thought, I'm going to get my own back. I'll become a tax collector. I'll take money from them. I don't know. I don't want to surmise too much. But this guy, in order to see Jesus, needed to climb up the tree. Okay, so there's some background to his life here. While he's up in the tree, verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the guest. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. As far as the people were concerned, because of the life that Zacchaeus led, he was clubbed in that whole group of being a sinner. Okay, this is Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, the holy one, uh, the one who's doing all the miracles. He's gone to the house of a sinner. Now, this began to blow some people's fuses. It was beginning to cause a bit of murmuring going on in the crowd. But let's just unpack this a minute. So Jesus, in the midst of all the crowd, all the activity, all the action and the potential pressure of wanting to please the crowd or what's he going to say next? What miracle is he going to do next? Jesus pulled away from the crowd, went over to the tree, looked up, saw Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Now, 
If the word Zacchaeus means pure one, what an amazing moment for Zacchaeus when Jesus looks up at him in the midst of being a tax collector, in the midst of being rejected by the community, in the midst of maybe being short or him be, maybe the mickey being taken out of him because of that, in the midst of all of that and the identity that had began to mark his life in a negative way, Jesus walks up to him and says, pure one. Come down from the tree. I want to come and spend some time with you today. And the words that Jesus used in those sentences wasn't just, I want to come and have a cup of tea with you. What basically he meant was, I want to come and I want to inhabit your home with you. I want to come and be with you. I want to spend time with you. That's what it meant when you unpack the Greek there in terms of the words that Jesus used and what it meant in that moment. And that's amazing because Zacchaeus, for the community of people there around Jesus, was the last person that they thought Jesus would want to go to his home and spend time with. And so Jesus goes into this man's home. The crowd start to talk and gossip and mutter amongst themselves. It didn't fit in with their narrative, didn't fit in with how they thought Jesus would be and who he would spend time with. But then let's look what happens in verse 8. It then says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Wow, there's loads in this story here right now. Jesus calls him pure one. It's amazing how Jesus sees in people what everybody else doesn't see. Jesus sees beyond the identity. He sees beyond the image. He sees beyond the outward uh, thing that's been the persona. And he looks right down into the depth of somebody. And what did Jesus do? When he, 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 the guy's name was Zacchaeus, but it means pure one. When Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus, he was speaking to this guy. This is who you really are. You're a son of Abraham. I'm calling you back to your identity, your true identity as a pure one. I want to come and spend time with you so that that can take place in your life and in your home, in your family. And in that moment, Zacchaeus encounters the pure one. And in that moment, there's a change, a transformation that happens in his heart and in his life. And he stands up and he says, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Wow. Then he says, anybody I've stolen from, I'm going to give four times back the amount. Wow. Zacchaeus' identity had been in wealth and, and riches and suddenly he's given away half of everything plus four times what he's stolen from people. There was such a heart change in that moment that took place. And then what does Jesus say? Today salvation has come because this man too is a son of Abraham, is a son of God. And so Jesus speaks one thing before the encounter 
And then he speaks the reality of the what happens happened in the encounter afterwards. And then he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. What does Jesus not do? Jesus did not judge the book by the cover. Jesus didn't judge the guy because of the backstory of his life. Jesus looked beyond that and he said, pure one, I want to come into your home, your life. So what is Jesus giving us an example of? Living in a culture of grace. Jesus didn't condemn him, didn't point out all the sin in his life. He didn't point out everything that was wrong with him. He didn't point out all the negativity and say, Zacchaeus, mate, before you can see me, spend time with me, you've got to get this sorted, that sorted and the other sorted. No, Jesus said, I want to come and be with you. It was blowing the religious fuses of the day. See, what does religion do? Religion has a mindset that doesn't come from a place of grace or mercy or love. Religion says you've got to be perfect before you can approach God. Religion says you've got to have a performance that matches godliness before God would accept you. And religious, a religious mindset puts a pressure on you. You have to be this before you can approach God. But yet God turns the tables and he says, no, those who are weary and burdened, you can come to me. You can give me every burden. You can give me every weariness and I will give you rest. I will meet you at your point of need and I'll be merciful. I'll be gracious. I'll meet you with forgiveness. I will meet you with compassion. I will meet you with my cleansing, healing, grace and power. I will come and do in you what no one else can do in you. As you approach me, come to me. I will come to you and I will meet you in that moment of need. And then there'll be a transformation that takes place that brings freedom freedom and deliverance and hope and joy into your life. Wow. That's what Jesus was doing as he approached Zacchaeus in that moment. He didn't say, well, he's a sinner, he's a tax collector, he's a bad guy. Well, let, let's see if he's going to follow me first before I give him any of my time. <laughs> Actually, Jesus, out of everybody in that moment, said, I'm going to go to the very one that everybody else is going to judge and condemn or call a sinner and say, well, you can't go and spend time with him or in his house. You know, one of the things in that culture was if you went to someone's house and sat with them around the table, you were identifying with them. You were accepting them. You were saying, I want to be your friend. I want you to come and be part of my circle of, of friendship and circle of life in that sense. And that was blowing people's fuses as well, that Jesus would go into, he didn't just talk to him out in the street, he went into his home. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, Zacchaeus, I want to make my home with you. I want to come into your life. Now, what does all this mean for us in terms of this culture of grace? God wants us to live in the light with one another. A culture of grace is a culture of safety, 
security. A culture of grace doesn't condemn and judge and try and take the speck out of somebody else's eye before we've taken the log out of our own. A culture of grace says, I, I was a sinner myself and it's only because of God's mercy and grace that I'm no longer a sinner. Jesus doesn't call you and I sinners when we've responded to him and given our lives to him. The Bible actually now calls us saints. And I love it with the children's ministry, children's work now. They're called young saints because when we know Jesus, we're no longer sinners. We're now saints. The amazing thing as a saint is if you do sin, we come back to the one who forgives and he cleanses us from that sin. But you're no longer a sinner. That is not your identity any longer. Your identity is now a saint, one that is now holy and blameless in his sight. And so a culture of grace is seeing one another through his eyes, through the eyes of Jesus. He said to Zacchaeus, pure one. And I believe God wants to give us eyes, his eyes for one another. So when we look at one another, the thing we see is pure one, pure one, pure one, pure one. Now, that doesn't mean if in a culture of grace, does anything go then? Can, do we just say, well, it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives? No, 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 no. Doesn't mean that. But what it means is we don't judge and condemn each other, no matter what is going on. What we do is we come and say, hey, I want to be gracious towards you because God is being gracious towards me. I want to love you in the way that God loves me because God's love is unfailing. He'll never let us down. God's love is a covenant love where he says, I'll never, ever leave you, never, ever forsake you. A culture of grace is a culture of covenant where we say to one another, hey, no matter what's going on in your life, I want to be there for you. I want to encourage you. I want to get alongside you. I want to strengthen you. It's interesting in, in John chapter one, the way uh, Jesus is spoken about in John 1, 14. Listen to this. He says, the word then became a man and came to live among us. Those of us who knew him, this is John, one of Jesus' disciples, writing this. Those of us who knew him have seen his glory, the glory that could only belong to the one and only Son of God. He came from the Father in heaven and was full of grace and truth. He was constantly giving to people and always taught what was right. So having a culture of grace is not then, oh, we just let people do whatever they want. No, no, a culture of grace is full of truth. But when Jesus spoke the truth, he spoke the truth with grace. When the truth is spoken with grace, it's allowing the Holy Spirit then to work and to move in people's hearts and lives. So the Holy Spirit does the conviction, does the convicting. The Holy Spirit shows us anything that needs to be sorted out in our lives. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit will show us that because he speaks through one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
But when we speak the truth to one another, we don't speak the truth with accusation. We don't speak it with condemnation. We don't speak it in a sense of judgment saying, I'm right, you're wrong. A religious mentality uh, has condemnation in it because it says, well, I'm living right with God and you're not. So therefore I have the right to say something. No, we don't come with a religious mindset. We come with one that is full of grace and truth with love. So over these coming weeks, we're going to be looking at some things. We're going to be speaking about some things that are very real uh, in people's lives. We're going to unpack some things. Uh, some of the guys on the leadership team are going to be speaking at uh, the church leadership team over the next few weeks. And they're going to be telling a little bit of their own stories, their own testimonies of what God's done in their lives, how God has been merciful and gracious in their lives and, and now what they're living in as a result of God's mercy and grace. But we're going to be unpacking some stuff uh, because God has called us to live as this pure bride of His. And so there's going to be some things to do with purity that we're going to be looking at and as part of this culture of grace. And I, I, we're going to pray in a few moments uh, because I believe that for all of us, we want to have our hearts and lives open so that we live as a community of grace, with a culture of grace, rooted in this culture of love that is patient, kind, long-suffering, honours one another, keeps no record of wrongs, one that never fails, protects, guards and looks out for the best for one another, Wow, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the spirit of love. It sounds like the Holy Spirit at work. And then what does it say just in John 1 verses 16 and 17? Jesus was full of grace and we received from him one act of grace after another. He constantly blessed us in ways we could never deserve. God gave us the law through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So a culture of grace is one that is filled with the nature and the character of Christ. As believers, we have the nature and the character of Christ in us because we have Christ in us. Jesus has given us his spirit, his Holy Spirit in us to cultivate and develop the life and the character of Christ in us so that we are gracious towards one another with no condemnation, no judgment. But we look at each other with the same way that Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, pure one. But he didn't just call him that. He then said, I want to come into your home and life. And in that encounter, there was transformation. And I believe that as we, over these next coming weeks and coming couple of months this year, as we, we kind of come into the last part of 2021, as we encounter Jesus in a fresh way, we're also going to encounter one another in a fresh way. And what God wants to do directly in us, but also what he's going to do through each one of us to and with each one of us. So let's just pray, shall we, and respond this morning, respond today in the nature, to the nature of God's grace.
and love. Father, I just pray first of all right now, where there's any fear, It says, oh, when you talk about openness or when you talk about honesty or being vulnerable, when you talk about living in the light with each other, that that raises some fears. I don't don't really want people to see what sometimes goes on on the inside of me. I was reading a book uh, Jane bought me earlier in the week and um, it was a conversation. It was a a story about a boy, a horse, a mole and a fox, okay? (laughs) And they had some amazing conversations, okay, in this story. Very short book. And um, the boy said this at one point. He said to the horse, to the fox, and to the mole. They were all friends, okay. And he said, so you know all about me then? And the horse said, yes. And the boy said, and you still love me? And the horse replied, we love you all the more. Wow. Sometimes we can think that if people really knew what was going on in me, they wouldn't like me or love me. But actually, when we open our hearts and lives to one another and we walk in the light, with each other, we're honest and open. And maybe in what we would say are our weaknesses, that's actually when God's strength comes through. I believe there's going to be a fresh release of the Holy Spirit over these coming weeks amongst us. As we open up our lives afresh to the Lord, but we also open our lives afresh to one another. That doesn't mean you open your life to everybody in the room in that way, but it might be some people around you that you want to talk through some stuff. You want to pray about some things and allow God to go deeper in your heart and life. I believe that's something God's going to do really powerfully in these coming weeks. So let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for all that you are doing at this time and all you want to continue doing. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your grace to be upon us in these coming weeks as we go deeper in your word, as we go deeper into you and your purposes, your heart and your life together. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would grace us to respond to you in these coming weeks and all that you're going to say and do. Maybe now just your own response. Maybe just open up your heart and life yourself and just say, Holy Spirit, I open up my heart and life to you afresh. Come and do what you want to do as part of the body. I want to be part of this culture of grace that enables others to become everything that you've called them to be as well as in my own life becoming everything that you've called me to be and that together as we take the stick and raise the banner as we seek to know you in a deeper more intimate way that your life and power would come upon me in a fresh way would come upon the whole body in a fresh way that we'd move forward in your revival purposes in a way that we we haven't before in our lives you would come by your spirit in a fresh way
amongst us. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Do only what you can do, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Take us where you want to take us, Holy Spirit. Lead us where you want to lead us. In this divine dance that we, you've been speaking about, that we would have our feet on your feet, fully embracing you in this divine dance to allow you to move us in whatever direction you want to take us and do in us whatever you want to do in us. I thank you, Father. I praise your awesome name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you guys. Let's uh, look forward to everything he's going to be doing over these coming weeks. On Sundays, through the messages, uh, week of prayer and fasting coming up and all that God's going to take us into in the rest of 2021. Bless you guys. Have a great week this week. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.